The Church of the New Maiden had practically fallen over themselves rewriting the laws of inheritance. Before the ink of Brienne's birth announcement had even dried, the entire country knew that one day she would take the throne and, according to prophecy, clean, revive and heal the world. Elodie thought that was quite a lofty promise, all things considered. That crown is too big for her head, Rob laughed good-naturedly as he peered down at Brienne. The slight waif of a girl was dressed in a lavish gown of aubergine, cinched at the waist and fanning out like water falling over the edge of a cliff. The careful gold stitching glimmered in the afternoon light that poured through the church's northwest window. Not for long the way people keep fawning over her, Elodie muttered, looking down at her own gown of grey, its subtle silver thread hardly a mark of distinction. In Vela, the Queen's first daughter was supposed to inherit the crown, but Elodie's role as the heir apparent was short-lived. She'd been only four years old when she was cast aside for the prophesied third daughter. Now seventeen, Elodie ought to be used to their altered hierarchy, yet moments like this one left her smarting. Be nice, Elle, Cleo piped up from her left. The middle Warnu sister was caught between loyalties. She looks beautiful. Tears of joy glimmered in the fifteen-year-old's eyes as she stared down at Brienne yet her body was still turned decidedly toward Elodie as a silent but stalwart supporter. I'm never nice, Elodie snapped, only honest. But the truth left a sour taste on her tongue. That honesty, a trait that should have confirmed her place beside Brienne as Queen's regent, had instead relegated Elodie to the balcony during the most important political event of her lifetime. The chaplain banged his sceptre against the stone floor three times as the assembly completed their hymn. All hail the Queen, he called, his voice sharp as a wasp's sting. His beard was threaded with silver, his hair carefully combed. His attendants were draped in long white robes, their sashes the same aubergine as Brienne's dress, a reminder that the new Queen was permitted to don her holy colours. But then... She wasn't just the queen. Long live the new maiden, the crowd answered back. Elodie held her tongue. As though the chaplain could hear her silence, he cast a glance upward to the balcony where the royal family sat. His icy blue eyes snagged hers like knees against gravel. His expression was triumphant as he curled his long-nailed fingers protectively around Brienne's shoulder. I win his eyes seemed to say, as though the crown resting atop the head of his daughter wasn't proof enough of his victory. I just can't decide, Brienne had admitted to Elodie the afternoon before, as she stirred sugar into her tea. The sisters had taken lunch in the Queen's chambers. You're so clever, of course, Brienne continued, the knot in Elodie's stomach tightening with every clink of her sister's spoon. But my father said... Elodie had held up a hand, Brie, your father is the head of the church. What he says stands to serve only his allegiances, not ours. Brienne had frowned. But isn't everyone's allegiance to the new maiden? The crown only exists to serve the church. Elodie had gritted her teeth. Of course her sister would think that. Brienne had been educated by the clergy folk, immersed in the church of the new maiden's word since birth. She had not been given the chance to develop the nuance required to rule a country. Vela demanded an unbiased regent, 
someone grounded who could see beyond prophecies and false loyalties. After watching the church indoctrinate her youngest daughter, Queen Terra had committed herself to untangling the interests of church and crown. It was an effort Brienne and her father had not been privy to. An effort that would disappear like hot breath on cold glass now that Elodie's dearly departed mother lay buried in the ground, unless her eldest daughter was chosen as Queen's regent and finished what her mother had begun.' 